Hello, and welcome to Once More with Commentary, a Buffy and Angel podcast. I'm Ginny. And I'm Allie. And today we're talking about the episode of Buffy called Touched and the episode of Angel called Sacrifice. They may as well both be called the episodes where nothing happens. <laughs> well, that's not how I would describe Touched, but yes. <laughs> I think Touched is the second is one of two Buffy episodes that could accurately be summarized by saying this is the one where everyone has sex. True. There, That's okay, how I yes. always thought of this So it's, it's true that not nothing happened, but nothing relevant to the plot happened. Um, Maybe. Okay. I, well, okay. Actually, I am excited to talk about this. I think we're both feeling a little bit the weight of, like, the slog of these seasons, but I forgot that there are a couple things that I... definitely want to talk about in the Buffy episode especially I feel like I'm jumping ahead but I will say like this is an episode where I felt you could lift it out of the season and like really not much would change and like yeah I think that's fair and I was like oh this is why people hate this season but not to give the game away (laughs) you know what I you know what I revisited recently I forget if I'm certain that I brought this up like in the very first episode that we recorded, but um, uh, Emily Nussbaum is this TV writer for The New Yorker and maybe some other publications sometimes, and I follow her on Twitter. She's like one of the only people that I follow on Twitter. <laughs> My Twitter is very odd and specific. Um, but she had this really great tweet like a couple years ago that was, um, she, she was just like, oh, here's all the episodes of Buffy. I'm sorry, all the seasons of Buffy as food. And like season one is cotton candy. I, I don't remember all of the, oh, season three is bacon, which I think is well, well said. Um, and season six is cilantro because like some people genetically like hate it and some people love it. <laughs> and season seven is mixed nuts. And I was like, yes, <laughs> like there's some cashews in there. <laughs> like also, well, so also many some peanuts. Brazil nuts. And like yeah. <laughs> this episode was a Brazil nut. Let's just say Yeah, that. exactly. <laughs> That's it's actually like, a fantastic metaphor. It's so good. Um, let me just read all of them real quick. Emily Nussbaum Buffy Cilantro is the thing that pops up when I start typing (laughs) typing her name. Season one, Cotton Candy. Fair. Season two, Dark Chocolate. Also makes sense to me. Season three, Bacon. Season four, Deep Dish Pizza. I'm actually not sure what to make of that one. Season five, Scotch. Season six, Cilantro. And season seven, Mixed Nuts. I think she sort of... I'm going to say the pizza one is like... Because it looks like one thing on the surface, and then underneath there's like okay. a lot more going on. But you also have to kind of dig to find like I think that's the really fair. good yeah. stuff. But there's also <laughs> a lot of like unnecessary fat. <laughs> right, right, right. And I think she explained that by Scotch, she meant something about like you know you have to get a taste for it, and it's like adult or it's like becoming adult or something. I I kind of maybe I'm putting words into her tweets, but I think mixed anyway. nuts is the best one. Well, mixed and cilantro. So <laughs> cilantro, I love too. <laughs> so apt. Um, yeah. Just a side note is that her book, um, I like to watch. It was really good. Oh, I haven't read it. I'm yeah. so behind in all reading. So it's there's a whole chapter, obviously, on Buffy, but um, mm-hmm. I just thought it was like, I like reading books about people talking about like how they like to watch TV. <laughs> yeah. She's also one of the only people that I like genuinely like. I really wish I could be your, your friend. <laughs> like, sometimes she says things and like also just because she lives in New York and like, I don't know, I just sometimes I know I'm close to her because then I see her tweet about something. I'm like, damn, I was really I was over there. But I follow her, too. And I saw some tweet the other day and I forget what it was, but she was like talking about her kid doing something like, oh, my mm-hmm. kid's like dragging me for like this. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
Anyway, so mixed nuts. We can start with, if I should have brought this up sooner, and then we could have talked about what type of nut every episode of this season has been. Well, we can which always are, go back and give that list. The, which ones are the cashews and which ones are actually every other kind of nut? I don't really like nuts at all. <laughs> I only like cashews, I guess. Well, I think if I'm thinking of like mixed nuts, the like the solid ones would be peanuts, cashews, and pecans, and then pecans. Anything, I like. I think I guess I like peanuts, but like, that's peca- I'm sorry, peanuts are filler though. Like, peanuts are fine, but... Yeah, but they're fine, but they're filler, but they're not bad. Like, okay. <laughs> and then pecans are, like, a rare prize, I think. Yeah. A cashew is just, like, solid good all around. Mm, I love but, cashews. But, like, the disappointment of, like, a macadamia nut or a Brazil nut or it's something. It's true, yeah. Like, this is a solid Brazil nut episode. Okay. It, it's, like, big and, like, seems like it should be important, but it's not. Yeah, no, it's not. <laughs> uh... Okay, well, in other news, how are you? I'm good. Um, I am sitting in a city today that is about to play in the Super Bowl, so mm, I was telling mm-hmm. you, like, I'm sheltering down out of fear. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I just have learned from experience, like, to just never go outside on days like this. Um, I do have to venture to the grocery store, so I'm hoping I time that correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think I just got so scarred in college from, like, you know, the very first time I decided to, like, be part of a sports moment and, like, go outside and celebrate was, like, the riots mm. after the Red Sox mm-hmm, beat the mm-hmm. Yankees. And it was yes. just, like, a very formative <laughs> experience where I was like, oh, you should never go outside on a day yes. where your city is playing sports. And, you know, that like, the wild day. 49ers have been terrible for so long. So, like, the city is obviously, like, very excited. And so I'm sure it would be fun to, like, go out, but I'm sure it's equally as fun to just avoid. <laughs> so, yeah. I, that's what I'm going to do. Um, yeah. How about you? I mean, I would have forgotten it was even the Super Bowl, except like somebody said something yesterday, so or the day before. But um, yeah, I don't have any plans after this. I just have a lot of little chores to do. I did yesterday um, organize my healthcare forms into a binder, and I was really pleased with myself. I'm I bought the binder so like two weeks that ago. That you have to fill that stuff out on paper. Oh, I know. Isn't that wild? It's 2020. But, it's, all, but like, it's also more that I put all my, like, it, usually I file things in file in folders, but I actually put all my healthcare stuff in a binder so that, like, when I get a bill, I can put it in the right area. Yeah. I, healthcare is just very complicated, and it's like, I'm, I have decent benefits, but, like, if you don't do it just right, you end up paying out of pocket when you shouldn't, and so I'm trying to be really mindful this year. I mean, we, we didn't really have thankfully a lot of healthcare costs last year. So hopefully this year is the same, but I'm trying to just be extra organized about it so that I don't end up spending money that I didn't need to. Do you know, I was thinking about all this stuff the other day because I was like, you know what, I'm going to be really proactive and I'm going to start my taxes and like just waiting through the forms of that. And then I was like, oh, that's right. I have all these like 401ks from old jobs that I should roll over and then like starting that process and realizing (laughs) how stupid that process is like where they're like I'm like you are a financial institution and you're telling me that you have to mail me a physical check like yeah you can't just wire the money yeah I don't don't understand like it's 2020 like you know and I have this like fitness benefit through work and it drives me crazy because it's like 
I have to fill out a physical form. I have to scan it. I have to email an email address that then replies with like, never reply to this address. Like uh-huh. this is purely for submission. And then it's a waiting game as to when a physical check is going to show up in the mail. Mm. And I'm like, I can't track this. I can't confirm that it's successful. Yeah. I just have to wait for a check in the mail. I'm like, it's 2020 people. This is stupid. Like, yeah. <laughs> why yeah. is everything so complicated just to get benefits? And, you know, it's and, and, true. I, and I realize that I'm complaining about, like a fitness credit Having that most them. people yeah. like, don't even yeah. get. But I'm like, it's just symptomatic of like how complicated all of this is when it really doesn't need to be. It's true. And actually when we were sitting in our, um, the healthcare, like the benefits, like pitch was mandatory this year. So everybody had to go in the one that I was sitting in. I, again, it's the same thing. Like I'm very lucky to have the benefits that I do. And I'm obviously, you know, like this is a good position to be in, but it was kind of hilarious at one point, somebody, every you know, there's healthcare, there's vision care, there's dental care, there's like one or the commuter benefits, FSA, HSA, and then maybe one or two other things. And some of those are done by the same companies, but most of them are not. And every single person that went up there to explain, you know, they're like representatives from like the healthcare company, from the vision company, from the whatever. And they were like, and you can download our app and then you'll have all your stuff there. And by the end of it, the guy who runs our IT department was like, okay, so there's an app for this and app for this and app for this and app for this and app for this. And he was like holding his fingers up as he did it. And he got to the end and it was like six or seven apps. And it was like, who's going to do this? No one will do this. I do have the like primary healthcare one on my phone because that feels like the most important one. But it's like, yeah, are you guys out of your mind? Like, <laughs> I understand that like apps are a, a, still a pretty modern way to like handle things, but you can't as a human have six different apps just to like go to the doctor. You know, I was just like, that's as complicated as doing it on paper. Like we're not fixing anything. <laughs> it's just a terrible system. <laughs> And it's so stupid because it's like you can have everything that you need. And then you also have to assume that like your provider, like your dentist and your doctor is going to like also handle it correctly. Like last time I went to the dentist, they were like, oh, yeah, you don't have insurance. And I was like, what are you talking about? And they were like, yeah, they had literally because it's like Delta Dental of like whatever state they had Mm -hmm. just entered the wrong state. And I was like. What? Like, well, exactly. That's and it's on like, you to do this correctly because, like, I can only provide you the information. I cannot make you use it correctly. It's like, right. And, you know, but it's that's like, the thing, though, is that, like, every time you go to the doctor or the dentist or whatever, there's a chance that somebody could do something wrong. And if you're not vigilant about it, then you're going to pay for things that you're not supposed to be paying for. But it's like a second, it's not a second job, but I imagine if you had regular, <laughs> you know, appointments and, um, treatments, it would be a second job just to manage it and make sure that nothing ever went wrong when it's like, that's not your job. It's not my job. (laughs) I'm just like, sometimes I think about like, you know, I feel so lucky to have benefits and like to, to be in a position to be complaining about how to use them. And I, and I want to say like, I really recognize that's, you know, that puts me in a very privileged position, but. But like, should that be a privilege? Should that, well, one, (laughs) exactly. Should it be? And two, if you have it, like that, sh- it shouldn't, then that shouldn't be like then the it's first just your hurdle third job. to then yeah. be like, okay, now it's on you to make sure you can use it. It's like, how much bureaucracy do we have to put into just to like live a dignified life? Like it's, mm-hmm. you know, I was talking, I don't want to get into, I feel like I'm yeah, going to get yeah, into yeah. like a really long <laughs> discussion about like, you know, universal basic income and like, you know, safety nets and all of this stuff. But like, suffice to say, I just like, am sometimes shocked, like it's, 2020 like the internet is a very sophisticated thing mm-hmm. and like so many parts of like the economy just have not seemed to have tapped into like mo- like modern times yet mm-hmm. and i just like i don't know what they're waiting for and i don't know why this is so complicated yeah 
Anyway. I mean, like, I can literally sit here, talk to you, and record this, and upload this to the internet in, like, three hours, if I so choose, and, like, it's true. <laughs> they can't even process a form. Like, yeah. it's just stupid. Yeah. I guess that's how we are, is we're lamenting um, the modern yeah. bureaucratic system, so. Well, I guess what I, how this story started was how proud I am of putting all my paperwork into a binder so that I can better keep track of it. But, to circle back... I'm proud of my binder. I have another one for the wedding, and that's the other thing I need to do today. So I'm just going to be really organized. Or I'm proud of vaguely, your binders. Vaguely speaking. organized, and then that'll be good enough. I feel really proud every time I organize my, like, files. You know, it mm-hmm. feels like the most adult thing you can do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, I have a filing cabinet. <laughs> yeah. I really want a filing cabinet, but I don't know where we would put it. So I, I kind of want to get rid of mine. So mm. like the binder system sounds nice. I, and, I like, do think the binders profile. is a, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, well, well, let's move now on that everyone's from this depressing to topic. topic. <laughs> let's get back to mixed nuts. Yes, to this Brazil nut. Um, this Brazil nut. <laughs> yeah, I'm just gonna not drop that. I love this metaphor. Now this is great. Um, I wish I'd had it this whole time. I know, I know. I'm sorry I didn't bring it up sooner. Well, I mean, it's never, you know what? Better late than never. That's um, true. We've got two more episodes. <laughs> two more episodes of nuts, yeah. Um, also, okay. how wild is it that we're almost at the end? I, you know, I was thinking about that. I was like, oh, this is episode 720. And I'm going to tell you right off the bat, that is kind of what made me a little bit angry about this episode. Um, well, We'll yeah. get there. Okay. So, we are talking about Touched, and... As we know, in the last episode, everybody banded together, kicked Buffy out of her own home. That's where we are. So Buffy's, like, wandering the streets. She then kicks a man out of his own home Mm -hmm. and just squats because it's pretty clear, like, the power goes out, like, the town of Sunnydale is shutting down and, like, basically ceasing to be inhabited. Um, The potential slayers in the Summer's home are, like, basically the last people left in town. So Buffy's kind of, like licking her wounds, like, you know, goes away. And Faith is left to kind of wrangle the potentials and Willow and Giles and Xander and everybody who's left. And it's not growing great. Like, there's... Everybody is shouting over each other. There's no real, like, leadership. And it's just basically chaos. And Faith decides, you know what? Everybody, I'm in charge. I'm the slayer that's left. We're going to do what I say. Here's the plan. Everybody get a good night's sleep. We're going to go after this, like arsenal or whatever that they discover because they the first plan she has is they're going to kidnap a bringer and then get it to talk um Mm -hmm. the bringers can't talk so they have to do a spell that the bringer then speaks through andrew they find out they're amassing all these weapons on the edge of town so faith decides she's going to put together a group to go see what's what um but before that happens everybody has like one last night of like Mm -hmm. sex basically Uh so Faith and Principal Wood um, hook up Willow and Kennedy and then Xander and Anya. And then meanwhile, Spike and Andrew have returned from their mission mission and um, Spike finds Buffy in this house and they just basically spend the night like staring into each other's eyes or something. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. I don't really, I don't know. That scene was very uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, it really was. Um, and so then in the morning, like, Spike wakes up, Buffy's gone. Buffy has gone back to the vineyard to get the thing that Caleb has that's hers. So basically, Buffy has decided to fulfill her plan on her own. But we see what she's really doing is trying to figure out 
what and where Caleb is guarding. So she finds like this open trapdoor in the vineyard, goes down there and discovers this essentially what I'm going to call the Buffy sword in the stone. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's a weapon. It's clearly meant for her. There's a stake on one end and an axe on the other, and it seems to be embedded in some kind of um, rock. And while Buffy's doing this, um, Faith has taken some of the potentials to this arsenal where they get attacked by a bunch of bringers, they defeat them, and then they find a basement and then discover a bomb in the basement that Mm -hmm. is about eight seconds away from blowing. And we, that's our cliffhanger. So yeah, that is touched. Um, There's a lot I didn't mention, like when Spike returns and finds out, you know, Buffy's gone and why. Um, Right. There's some stuff we can talk about with that. Yeah. But I guess what I, yeah. Yeah. Actually. hmm. So I, I just want to, before we get into this, I, I want to kind of circle back to what I almost said before I started the recap, which is, maybe didn't almost say I did say uh-huh. which is that I was a little angry that this is episode 720 of right. the final season of Buffy um yeah does it seem to you like a good use of time no and I see I get what you're saying I think this is yeah I I think it's more though symptomatic of the whole season like we wasted a lot of earlier episodes that this could have been taken the place of, you know this could have taken the place of those so I don't I get what you're saying when I, I think you said this while we were recording that like you could kind of take this episode out of the whole season. It wouldn't really have that big of an impact. And I think that that's true. But I do like all the kind of emotional fallout in this episode. Not all the <laughs> not all the boning so much. I mean, fine. But like I did. I I guess I did feel a little vindicated that everything kind of goes right because they've made a terrible plan. You know, they made a terrible decision to kick Buffy out and immediately everything's kind of falling apart and Faith is doing her best. And I really don't want to blame her because I think it was clear in the last episode that this was not what she was expecting or asking for. And she's now that she has been thrust into this position. I think she's doing her best to just take it on, you know, and I think she does it. I think she does as good of a job as she could in this moment. So I don't want to blame Faith, but I do think everybody else is kind of getting their comeuppance of like, they were just being whiny. And now that they've gotten what they wanted, they realize it's not any better. It's like, they're still in the same position, which is that they're being hunted. Uh, there's dangerous things all around them and they're going to die if they don't do something. So it's like, well, they're in exactly the same boat, except they're even more disorganized than they were before. So it really I guess, begs the question, right, of, like, what was the goal of kicking Buffy out? Like, Willow tries well, to present it as, like, we had some disagreements and Buffy's taking some time away, but that's not what happened. They were no. like, you failed as a leader, we're kicking you out. But to what purpose? Because exactly. what they I don't was have really struck by in that scene is, like, clearly Kennedy wants to be the leader. That's obvious. Yeah. And clearly nobody has any idea how to organize themselves into some sort of, like, productive body of Mm -hmm. like discussion and everybody's just yelling and like saying oh I'm still scared and it's like it's clear that like really every all of this is coming from fear everybody's scared but like Mm -hmm. what did they get by doing this they're in exactly the same position now instead of Buffy ordering them around it's faith right but I do I guess that's where I want to (sighs) say I hate that choice that they made in the last episode I do think that there's something important to the potentials learning this lesson. I just, uh, to your point, I wish this were like episode 15 instead of episode 20, because it does feel like now we're so down to the wire that like, what, they're just going to all come together and it's going to be perfect. Like 
it does feel, it feels disingenuous to do this now. It doesn't feel like a waste completely to me overall. But the timing is bad. The timing is very bad in the arc of the season. Um, but like I said, what I did appreciate was getting what I am calling, what I interpret, am interpreting as vindication. I think you immediately see everybody fall apart. And of course, all the things that you and I complained about and pointed out last episode, you either see happen or Spike gets to say to Giles's face, hey, maybe you didn't like that you're not in charge anymore. And I actually really love that scene. I think Spike did a pretty good job of calling people out other than and Faith, I think again. it's true. I think but it is Giles yeah. like kind of acknowledges with his face that like that's exactly what his problem was, was that he yeah. wasn't the one calling the shots. Although what also then begs the question, why isn't Giles stepping up as the leader now that Buffy's gone? Like he's kind of the more obvious second than Faith. But whatever. Agreed. That's neither here nor there. Actually, Why do the they have to thing- be led by a slayer? And also, yeah, I, I, and I, and I want to circle back to what we mentioned last time. Was like that's clearly Giles's problem, but it does mm-hmm. not track with Giles. Right, Giles the character. They yeah. just are making him act this way, but it doesn't feel true. Um, the other thing, actually, though, that I liked that I'm shocked neither of us brought up last week in terms of uh, who has the right to kick Buffy out of the house and who else has made really poor, really poor life choices and, ex- uh, I don't know, really put things on other people. Uh, Spike also mentioned uh, when he was you know, yelling at everybody, he was like, she died for you. And I was like, hold up a second. It's not just that she died for them. They brought her back. <laughs> like, excuse you. Once again, Willow and Xander specifically. Everybody else has their, uh, and Anya, everybody else has their own reasons. But those three that they would betray Buffy like this is just it's almost unforgivable. I'm like, she's only here because you forced her to literally be here and you tore her out of heaven. And she worked really hard to like get to a good place and where she could be a good leader. And now you're like, mm, whatever, let's like just not help you. <laughs> like, it's so she, true. Her life is literally your responsibility. She would not be here if not for you who did a thing she didn't ask you to do. So I am glad you brought that up because something that I was struck by, you know, in these last couple of episodes, particularly in this one, is. What is going on with Willow? Because what is going on with Willow? Willow doesn't say anything while Buffy's like being kicked out. Like seems to agree, has no real reason to see like to seem to want Buffy gone, and is so like timid about you know giving Spike this speech about why Buffy got kicked out, and it's clearly untrue every time she's doing it. And also Willow is supposed to be so powerful and all she ever mm-hmm. talks about is how she's afraid to use her magic and yes willow went dark at the end of the last season and probably is justifiably afraid to use her magic mm-hmm. but you know we see her doing these little spells here or there but and and i i think knowing what i know like they're just waiting for the big payoff at the end but like what that mm-hmm. seems to be doing to willow the character is like diminishing her in this really weird way where like this whole time in the whole run of buffy willow is like to use an analogy here that mm-hmm. hopefully most people will get. Willow is like the Hermione, right? Like to right. Buffy's Harry Potter. Like right. Buffy's doing. She's the, the reason like, they can actually in succeed in the moment. But yeah, but Willow's the reason most of the time that they can succeed. Like she has this real power, and I don't know where she's been. Like Willow yeah. just like disappeared into the background in a really weird way, and I and I think it might just be a casualty of like it's really crowded right now. There's a lot of characters on the mm-hmm. show at the moment. And, you know, we're spending a lot of time for some reason with Kennedy and, you know, <laughs> yes. um, and now faith is back. So there's all these other viewpoints and we spent some time with principal wood, but like, when was the last time Willow did anything that seemed driven by Willow or not just in the background of all of this? It's a good question. And 
I agree with you. I mean, I, I do think that there is an aspect of it that works because I think it's valid that even now she's too scared to use her powers because the couple times that she has used them, she's already really flirted back with this dark side of herself. Like we have actually seen that happen, not just the Warren thing, but like the other time that she used her, she like accidentally sucked power out of Kennedy and her hair went black again for a second. Like I think her fear is well-founded, but I do think it's kind of a shame in the final season to kind of lose the best parts of your best, one of your best characters. And again, it's like, but I don't mean just the magic. Like, no, no, no. I was going to say, yeah, yeah. it's like having her not stand up for Buffy and not be the brains behind the operation is disappointing. Like, it seems like they've given all of that role to Dawn, which, okay, is a great use for Dawn and a better use than she was. But then what happens? Like, like where is Willow? What is she doing? Yeah, no, it's a good point. Um, I, agree. I did love that exchange, though, where Don was like, oh, I yeah. found this Turkish spell yes. and I figured it out. And Willow's like, oh, there's a translation. Yeah. <laughs> no, I also really liked that. I don't even know what else to talk about. Well, okay. I do know what else to talk about. Okay. I, I, I will say for me, though, the scene of them staring deeply into oh, each other's so eyes bad. was literally the most uncomfortable I've been in a scene in an episode that was full of gratuitous sexual encounters. That was by far the most like, uh, horrific. <laughs> um, I did appreciate, I'm happy with where Spike came in this episode. I think I liked watching him be the one. Well, I liked watching him not be the only one, but I liked at least that he was finally a voice who was standing up for Buffy and saying, speaking logically, you know, he's obviously coming from a place of like loyalty and emotion, but I think that he made good points and I appreciated that somebody finally voiced them. And I really liked his little speech to Buffy about why he likes her and that I feel like this episode, at least, at least his scene with her did a good job of finally getting Spike to the point where he's not asking her for anything. And I feel like for once that was like clear. Okay, yes. I I'm going to ignore the part on like where they just were staring at each other. I I, I mean that was happened. literally cr- I was cringing so hard. I was like, "Oh my god, why why would anybody do that? I would never ever." It, it was I, in, the, in a later scene, he was just like stroking her hair and her eyes were closed. I was like, "Why wasn't the whole thing just that? That's a normal thing to do staring into each other's eyes." I would never do that. <laughs> it's like it's like they were doing that um well, it's that test where it's like how to fall in love with someone in like yeah. five minutes or something. Yeah. Like that yeah. seems to be what they were doing. But um, no, the, the no, I did like this idea of Spike giving Buffy a bit of a pep talk, but also in a way that's like, I see you. This is why I value you. These are the things that I think you bring to the table and why you are special, you know, and all of that. And I think to say it from Spike, to have Spike say it to her in a very blunt way that's not meant to like seduce He's not her trying or to, anything yeah, it's yeah. just a way to tell her this is why I value you and I th- I think that scene was really nice um and I think of course Buffy probably needed to hear that in the moment mm-hmm, I agree um, and I actually like the decision that it didn't immediately lead them to like have sex because I agree I, I feel agree. like that would have made it really false so no, I'm glad they I, did that I agree and I think what yeah I actually think what this scene that scene did a lot of things, right? Again, the one glaring exception being the staring into each other's eyes. Um, but I also really liked that, like, Spike's whole thing was that, like, he's not going to let her just run away, at least not without saying his piece, which is here's why you specifically are the hero and why you need to step it up. But that also at the end of it, he was like, OK, you want your space and now I'm going to leave. And then she's like, OK, I want you to stay. And he's like, OK, I'll sit on this couch. And she's like, no, 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 I want you to stay here. And I just I thought that was well 
done to like, again, just really demonstrate at least now Spike is in a place where he understands like these boundaries and how to respect her and how like he can love her and she doesn't have to love him back for that to be valid. You know, I don't know. Like there's just something really nice about him being like, I can still love you and I'm going to tell you the reasons why you're great, but it doesn't mean that you have to give anything back to me. That's not like the point. Yes. And it's, it shows a maturity of Spike. Yes. It's nice to see. And again, we've talked before about like how, how far are we allowed to let Spike redeem himself? Mm -hmm. And I'm, you know, I'm there. They've made the case. I think this was a really good case for him. It, it was. Um, and really specifically those details of like, he was going to leave. He waited to specifically be invited. I mean, not, he didn't make, wait to be invited the first time, but I really think his motives in the first time were like to make sure she's alive, to make sure she's like, you know, not wallowing and then just like leave. So. And I like the detail where they explained exactly how he got in the house. Yeah. Thank you. That was, <laughs> yeah. that was what you could have done so many times. It was so so clarifying and illuminating. I like it. Mm-hmm. Um, I also like that where this leads is Buffy, you know, believing in her instincts and going yes. to the vineyard and deciding, well, you know what? I will go do this on my own. But then the difference this time in her, her now her third mm-hmm. fight with Caleb is she knows how to approach the fight, which is don't go blunt force. Like, mm-hmm. use your strengths to your advantage. Yes. And also this idea that, like, I think she just believes she can best him because she's got this you know pep talk from spike and also she's going in a little bit more clear-headed with this is my goal the goal is not caleb the goal is what is the thing that he is hiding and she's ultimately successful and she's right and i think you know having her be right is really important you know Mm -hmm. to show that all along her instincts have been correct and i yeah I like that Spike points this out to her where he's like, you're right. There is a thing that he has that you need or that mm-hmm. you're supposed to have. And I think it's important to to show this, that like this vote of no confidence in Buffy is not coming from, you know, a sense yeah. of like her not being correct. It's just a sense of like, these girls are Their afraid. feelings these are girls hurt and are, they're scared. Yeah. Yeah. They've had their feelings hurt. They've had themselves rattled and they're not like Buffy isn't, foolproof and we talked mm-hmm. last time about how fair that is to like expect that of her mm-hmm. um or not but I do like that ultimately she does get a little bit vindicated and then that she doesn't go back and say hey guys Spike told me there's a thing here let's go get it she just goes and gets it and that's kind of the best way to prove it it's true um, I have well okay so I have two reactions out of that though okay. number one do you think I mean this I wasn't thinking about until just now There is probably also something to it, though, that this is the first time she gets to go visit Caleb. Well, I guess not the first time, but this time she doesn't have to worry about all the other potentials, you know, like. So there is also this, I think, a little bit of her success is because she gets to really just be herself and worry only about her own like evasion. Whereas before she had to be trying to face Caleb and also try and make sure no one died which was kind of impossible. So maybe part of the reason why she succeeds here is because she's alone again. And I'm not really sure what to make of that as a conclusion. <laughs> I don't actually think that's the well, point, but I am. No, cause she was alone at the it, you know? school, but that was more of like a defensive, like he was mm-hmm. just like clearly attacking her. Um, and again, I think this comes to like learning how to handle him, which is not don't right. go after the attack, but it's more about evasion and um, using, and using him to tell you where the thing is. Exactly. Well, my second thought is, and I'm sorry if I just missed something, but I do think it's interesting that, 
you know, Spike goes to Buffy and he says, you were right. He's guarding something. But Andrew also goes back to them and says she was right. He was guarding something. But I guess is why do Spike and Andrew have different conclusions about where it is? Or they, neither of them know, and Spike just assumes since your instinct was right, it's pro- you're probably right about where it is. They don't know where it is, right? I don't know question. if it's that or if it's that I think Andrew comes back and says Buffy was right, he's guarding something, but they've all decided that that's a no-go, and so they're going after this new information that they got from the bringer. Oh, right. You're right. You're right. Okay. Yeah. That's I guess I, I thought they were, thought it was also going to be in the arsenal. I thought they said something about how, like, oh, a weapon would be in the arsenal. Maybe. Maybe I made um, that up. I thought it was more because, like, that's the new information and they've just decided that, like, Mm -hmm. they're not, even if Buffy proves to be correct, like, you know, as a group, they're not gonna go with what Buffy said. Yeah. That's how I took that. Um, Again, I don't know because this is all big hot mess. It is a Um, bit of a mess. I know. So (sighs) what do we think about this, like, um, sword in the stone, like, turn that this has taken where the first is, like, like, (laughs) clearly to get to what Buffy saw like they've been digging at this rock and like it's not my favorite can't get it out and I mean I think ultimately they do use this weapon effectively I agree yeah like oh here's your prophesied weapon to come and like to have the first involved with it I was like I don't I don't know that I like this I hate it and I agree with you I think that ultimately they're gonna work it in okay but it's a bad idea. And I think actually when Alex and I were, after we watched this episode yesterday, I was kind of, we, we were kind of talking through that too because it was like, it's so like on the nose in a way that is not Buffy. You know, it was not very Buffy the show. It was very, like, I, I'm, I'm sure that we could nitpick this in a way to make what I'm going to say wrong. But generally speaking, Buffy hasn't needed one specific item in order to defeat a big bad. It's there've been a lot of items that they've needed and used in conjunction with like other strategies and with like being friends and having all four of them there and kind of doing all these other things. It felt, it just feels really cheap for in the last season. Oh, the way she's going to win is by finding this magical thing that was buried underground instead of by using her wits and manner and all the things that make her special. So I think it's a bad choice. I really disliked it in this episode, especially like to kind of find out that like, oh, has this whole season been leading up to this is like really, really deflating. Yeah, I mean, because we were talking before about the, the the advantages of introducing Caleb, you know, mm-hmm. that Buffy did need a physical enemy to fight. And, you know, we do learn in this episode a little bit more about like where his power is coming from. Like he is somehow Imbued. a physical vessel for the mm-hmm. first and they have a very weird relationship but for sure but yes this this idea that like now we've taken Caleb and moved him into this like guardian role of this MacGuffin that Buffy is you know it's just it is really frustrating that that's where it goes and it, it makes the whole ending a little bit anticlimactic right like you know it's yeah. It's like, I don't know how they would have wrapped this up, but I'm thinking of the, you know, jumping ahead mentally to like the end of the season. And I feel like there's so much they could have done without this. Um, I kind of think that you're right. That yeah. I don't like spending two episodes on this like magical thing that Caleb has that Buffy needs and, you know, all the fallout from that. And it's like they're not sticking this landing very well they're on not. their way to the landing. It's, you know, I. Like, ultimately think they probably stick the landing, but, like, getting there is really messy. It's and painful. it, it yeah. makes me wonder, like, 
how much of this they really planned ahead of yeah. time. Because, like, we talked about this a little bit, like, with the need for Caleb, like, should have been obvious a lot Yeah, earlier. and why wasn't he there sooner, and, yeah. You know, the idea, and, and I think knowing, like, what we know now about, like, production schedules and stuff, like, clearly since Caleb is Nathan Fillion, like, this was not a long-term Right, plan. right, it doesn't seem like it. As great as he is, I, I just want to reiterate, he is fantastic as right. Caleb. But Caleb is okay, but Caleb now serving this purpose is mm-hmm. a little bit anticlimactic, right? Like, oh, it he's is, just it guard. Is. And, and I think also yeah. just having it be like, oh, this story of like, I mean, I keep saying this, but like, it's literally like the sword in the stone. Like, it, Buffy it is, is the, yeah. <laughs> the anointed leader because she's gonna pull a weapon out of a rock. Like, and like, what come is that on. saying about anything? Like, it's not like it doesn't resonate with like the themes of the series much, other than she's the chosen one. But even then, I think like the whole seven seasons, I think, have really been reiterating that like, yes, she was, she was by destiny given this role but she specifically as an individual is what made it so special so it's like extra like really throwing all the themes out the window to kind of suggest that like oh no 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 it's only because Buffy alone was the one slayer who was ever anointed by fate to be this good and that it's not just because Buffy as a human with her friends was surprisingly better than every you know I don't know there's just like something really really against the themes I think by presenting it this way They've really lost track of, like, what made this show work, I think. And and um, in terms of, like, remember when at the beginning of this season they really positioned this as, like, we're getting back to basics? Like, we're going back to the original themes? Back to like, we're so off that. Like, I haven't even had that thought. It didn't even occur to me that that's what we were doing for the last, like, five or six episodes. Until, until Mayor Wilkins showed up. That's true. And then I, and and then I had it, a moment where I went, oh, yeah. And then yeah. I really, you know, having him show up, I didn't even mention this in my recap, but having no, him show I was, up and talk to Faith really put it in perspective to me that, like, where, I, you know, I remember telling you at the beginning of this season, oh, I'm really excited. I think this is really cool. And I mm-hmm. forgot, you know, all the the ways this ended up. But I was reminded, like, oh, this Back to Basics really got off the rails. You haven't mm-hmm. gone back to basics at all. Like, because Mayor Wilkins is showing up and it's like, we've really forgotten what like what kind of threat the first really represented mm-hmm. because we've lost track of like honestly why they're even fighting her like the first motivations are still so unclear un- i mean we know okay buffy got the upper hand and the first is mad about that but like mm-hmm. beyond that yeah what what why and yeah. and i think having the mayor show up to talk to faith really for me threw that into like sharp relief of oh yeah this isn't where I thought we were going (laughs) but what I guess I'm not sure what you're reacting to that he said oh no not that he what he said just that he was there because like he was one of the ones in the first episode where they're like cycling through all the former villains right like they've got the master and they've got um Drusilla and they've got the mayor and Adam and like all these people and you know this back to basics idea, like seeing the mayor again reminded me that that is where this started, but like we are so far from basics. Yeah. Um, I did that said like, I did like that yep. scene. That's what I was just going to say. Uh, I will never not want to see Mayor Wilkins in an episode of Buffy, period. <laughs> He's still as delightful as he ever was. And yeah. I think, though, even with the mayor, it's like they sort of throw a wrench into like where he's like, oh, I'm more than just, you know, I don't just look like the mayor. I know everything about him is kind of like, again, 
really opens up some questions about like the mechanics of the first that I think the show is not really ready to answer, but whatever. Um, if the first is not tangible and corporeal, how does the first have a smell? Yeah. Yeah. So that whole thing about like, you know, Wood saying like, oh, just, it was my mother down to like the perfume. And I was mm-hmm. like, what? Yeah. Like, <laughs> sure. That's <laughs> not how physics like work. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Well, that's fine, I guess. Um, oh, I know what I was going to say. The thing that I lost my train of thought on before. One thing that I did also really like in uh, Buffy's like showdown with Caleb um, I do like that, at least so far, the show is still able to really indicate to us that Buffy is has snapped back into it because, like, she gets her old, like, dialogue back. <laughs> I guess dialogue is still one of those really great things about this show. They're not always nailing it, I don't think, especially in this season, but because of, because of how they've really set up such a specific t- way of speaking and way of talking and way of joking it throughout the whole seven seasons that, like, they really can indicate a lot of things about the internal feelings of a character by the way that they write their dialogue, and I think that's actually a really special feature that's, like, almost completely unique to Buffy the vampire slayer. You're saying how we know Buffy's got her mojo back because she's she's, punning again. Yep. Yep. That is exactly what I'm saying. But it's, I mean, it's more about her whole mannerisms, but I do still think that's like a really fun, interesting thing that is like, doesn't, wouldn't work in every show. No, you're absolutely right. And I think it's true, especially in that exchange with Caleb, like, you know, cause he uses his favorite word. He's like, whore. Mm -hmm. And she's like, you know, you're just really going to make people think you're just a misogynistic <laughs> jerk. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was just like, yeah. I don't know. I just like to see that side of Buffy again. It always makes me feel like she's on all cylinders, firing on all cylinders when she's able to be like witty and banter during a fight. I agree. Okay. Should we end on this positive note? <laughs> we should because, yes, I don't have anything else nice to say. <laughs> Should we move on to Angel? Yeah, let's do that. All right, I'll do my best. <clears throat> also do my best to keep this brief. So all of the main Angel Investigations team have been, you know, set free from Jasmine's spell, um, except maybe for Connor, even though at the last end of last episode they put her blood on him, he still called for reinforcements and still seems to be allying himself with her. Uh, so everybody else escapes, um, Angel, Gun, Wesley, Fred. Um, they don't know where to go. They end up in the sewers, and while they're in the sewers, they run into a bunch of ex-demon hunters who've been living in the sewers and thus are also unexposed to Jasmine at all. Um, of course, Gun recognizes one of them, and they kind of start, like, working together. Um, sure. Anyway, they... Oh, they, there are a bunch of demons, though, in the sewers, and so that's kind of like how this team of, you know, this other group of people of kind of keeping themselves busy trying to defend themselves and just stay safe in the sewers. So Angel and his team are generally kind of helping them do this, but they end up getting split up. Uh, Fred and Gunn end up with this youngest child of this group who ends up escape, like running away and escaping above ground, and they try and rescue him, but unfortunately it's kind of too late. He's been exposed to Jasmine and then is able to expose everybody else underground to Jasmine. So they all turn against the angel investigations team. Um, meanwhile, uh, Wesley, I, uh, 
ends up in the uh, clutches of a, a creepy, creepy spider demon who it turns out is from like another world and is from a world much older who has been for millennia or even longer worshiping Jasmine. And so he's actually in L.A. trying to concoct some sort of spell that's going to like get her attention again. They are mad and or sad that she left. Um, and so Wesley is basically about to be killed the whole time, but being Wesley, he's able to kind of mine a little bit of information out of this creepy, creepy demon as he keeps talking. And so he finds out that the one way that they can reduce Jasmine's power is by finding out what her real name is. Um, and as people reconverge and run into each other again, Wesley's able to, um, steal this orb that the demon had and give it to Angel and help him open a portal to that other world so that Angel can go there and hopefully learn her name, which happens at the very end of the episode. Meanwhile, Connor is loyally serving Jasmine. Jasmine is still eating people. Jasmine is getting more and more powerful. And I have some questions about Connor's motivations, but, um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of it. They, Angel ends up in this other world. Everybody else, um, yeah. Well, they're just in battle. Basically. In battle, right. Yeah. With, with, because now everybody is that is underground with them has been exposed to Jasmine. They're all attacking them. Jasmine yeah. is uh, getting more evil by the day. <laughs> Have some questions of the mechanics of how that worked, but... Um, yeah. Yeah. Ultimately, though, I was a little bit... You know, I think I remembered something along these lines, but it has been a really long time since I've seen this season of Angel and... Mm-hmm. Lo and behold, it's just Rumpelstiltskin. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, okay. I don't think that's fair. Um, I actually think that is an okay mechanic. I don't know that they necessarily introduced it in a great way, but that's, I think, it is a Rumpelstiltskin thing, but I think that's a very, like, old story, old myth, old fairy tale type right. of thing. The power, I mean, and I it is a... I, I think it's like I I want to say I like this development. That oh, okay. The, yes. the 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 way to defeat Jasmine is just by the truth. Right. Way. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. And I don't I mean, feel like the implication is as soon as they utter her name, she'll explode. That no, it's just but that be there one is power in her name, and that she doesn't want them to mm-hmm. to know to it. Know it. Um, yeah. And she is, you know, in this episode as she's gaining power, still maintaining this facade of beauty you know, and love and kindness you know, togetherness yeah. but also letting the the hunger show through a little totally. bit i mean she's outright telling connor you know oh everyone's going to bow to me like mm-hmm. i control this state now how great like i'm on my way to ruling the world yeah. and then she's not hiding how she says that and in fact not just telling connor i, I eat these people like eating them in front of front him. Of, mm-hmm. um, and we can talk about Connor and like how under her spell we think he is. Um, I, yeah. I think he's not. Um, I think I, he's not also, but yeah, I, cause I took his, his lashing out to Angel at the beginning of this episode is, you know, it's really clear Connor is upset because what Connor got from Jasmine that maybe even the rest of them didn't get was something that he has never had, which was this sense of safety and Mm -hmm. completeness and purpose and community and have to, and I think it does get ripped away from him and he is making a conscious effort to keep it at all costs. I mean, just something about the way I think Vincent Carthizer is playing some of these scenes where he's looking at Jasmine. I think he sees her real face and, and and I I think think Connor is the only person who can, 
not I don't want to say look past it, but given his upbringing, I think it just doesn't horrify him in the same way mm-hmm. that it would others. So he can touch her without revulsion because he doesn't care where he gets his comfort from. He right. just wants the comfort. And I think that's what's happening. I think and then he right. does seem to fully give himself over to her because she is talking through him. Yeah. I think what I don't like about the Connor <laughs> predicament, and I, I think I'm being too literal, but I don't like that they made the key to Jasmine her blood, but they can also get it from Cordelia, but somehow Connor's blood is like kind of not involved in that. Like it also makes sense to me that Connor was either never under her spell or is even more deeply entrenched with her because he also shares her blood. Like, I don't understand that. That part is a little bit weird to me where it's like, you're trying to say that Cordelia and she have the same blood because it's her mother, but Connor's her father. (laughs) And she even calls him that in this episode. So I think that that part's a little bit like, you know, muddy, but whatever. I don't think it's that important. I just, it just kind of bothered me. Yeah, I, um, I agree. It's, we don't know really the connection that Connor is supposed to have and if it's different from other people. But it shouldn't be different than what Cordelia has, is my point. No. Otherwise, why did we go through all this rigmarole to make him her father in the first place? That was the part where I was like, I have to stop thinking about this because I'll get all upset again. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, but I do, I think you're right in explaining Connor's behavior. And what I did really love in this episode is something that you kind of already mentioned, just like, but, like, again, like, man, these ex-Firefly uh, actors that they got on these shows, like, Gina Torres, I love watching her get more and more maniacal. And, like, the way she just, like, has this, like, plastered grin on her face the whole time, but is, like, like, when she was getting slashed at the end of that battle, I was like, I love it. I love it. I love watching her just really use almost all of the exact same um, emotions and, like, behaviors, but now with just, like, the slightest twist, they're, like, horrifying. I think that's just really well done. So I should mention that I, you know, because we're in these set of episodes where it's Caleb and Jasmine, yeah. I was like, oh, you know what? I haven't watched in a while. It's Firefly. <laughs> Sorry, and I, I, I keep thinking and I went about back watching And I too. started watching and I, <laughs> the thing that really struck me, especially watching, because I've just watched, you know, most of Firefly and coming back to these episodes, watching them and watching Nathan Fillion mm-hmm. play Caleb and um, Gina Torres as Jasmine, I want to say, I think they're both fantastic actors because these characters are as far apart as you could get from their Firefly characters who they, and they are also fantastic on that show, but they're doing a complete 180 here and, you know, both going from playing heroes to playing outright villains and, but villains in a very like subtle, you know, they're not, Mm -hmm. they're both kind of like, they're not overt in this, like in this way. And we're starting to see at least with Jasmine, like her becoming a little more, like you said, like maniacal, like stereotypical, like villain kind of thing. And I think they're both awesome. They're like, doing so good. They're yeah. just, <laughs> it's, they are just so well cast in this. And I agree with you, like Gina Torres, particularly as Jasmine here. And I loved her this episode. Mm-hmm. She has that stillness and this elegance. She's almost like a dancer and yeah. she's at the same time plotting the takeover of the world with a grin on her face and assurance that everything is going to be okay. And it's just, it's so unsettling and it's so creepy. And every time her voice comes through one of these (laughs) conduits, it's, she's still managing to convey this like Jasmine-ness of it all. Like, I mean, that last scene with the little boy, like reminded me of that scene way back 
in you know the early episodes of this show with the the exorcism where mm. this little kid is just like possessed by something else and it is so freaking creepy mm-hmm. and but yet i mean i think she's just so wonderful at this and as yeah. as much as i hate this like yeah, whole no. development i don't want to undersell gina torres no i think in all of this like in fact i she think she is not <laughs> a recipient of my hate no and i think if anything it really really just it really truly proves how good she is because you and I, but I don't think I've hated much as much as I've hated some of the stories turns in this season. And as soon as Jasmine showed up, it was like, Oh my God, like I can't stop watching, you know? And it's not that I think they're doing everything right. Obviously we still have tons of nitpicks about the plot elements in those last couple episodes, but like, Jesus, she is good. <laughs> like watching her be the perfect godlike creature and everybody fall under their spell. It was like, well, I totally get it because I also can't tear my eyes away from her, you know? And like then watching her do this, like get more and more evil, but like in these really subtle ways until it's like almost all out villainy was just like masterful. Like she's, yes, it was, she is so good in this season. It's just such a shame that like didn't even do more with it or, you know, but or whatever. That this I is have, what she's she's this is the material that she's elevating. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. You but know, yeah, it's so funny she, because I have a lot of questions about the mechanics of how all of this is working. Um, mm-hmm. you know, she's on the phone with the governor and saying well, that she's gonna control the state. And it's like <laughs> yes. well, we have another show that's happening yes. in this state and not a single person is aware of Jasmine. And I think the argument we can make is they're just very distracted. Like Well and like Sunnydale like the power's out now, so they don't even have like T V and right. radio. But I agree with you but, that but like But I was like, does this show forget that the governor is not based in Los Angeles? Right. <laughs> no, no, no. I had the same thought. I was like, I really do wish though that just for the sake of these two shows living in the same universe and being set in the same state, they should have just left it at mayor of LA. And yeah. like even that is like Sunnydale is clearly not far from LA, so you know, it's still a little unfathomable that nobody's heard or thought anything about this, but at least like don't say it's statewide when your other show is in the same state. I mean, yeah. that was the problem we had when the sun went out, right? Is like totally. How are they explaining this? Um, they did later say, "Oh, it was only in L.A." But it was like, I wish you had said. But that. I don't but know. like, if the sun went mechanic. out in L.A., right. as someone who lives in San Francisco, I think I would notice. I think it was magic, Allie. It was mystical. But yeah. I mean, that's the stuff we can't dig too far into mm-hmm. is the like, you know, the the wider repercussions of a lot of this in the world. Um, but I, I think in their defense, that's also this. I care less about those kinds of plot holes because I care a lot more about the ones which is like why when you make your characters behave in completely uncharacteristic ways and write bad storylines like that's a lot worse to me than like. Do I have to strain my belief that like somehow magically the sun could go out and only L.A. fine? Like that's the least of my concerns. I mean, it's true. It's how everybody reacts to that. Um, Mm -hmm. Speaking of... Okay, I'm going to pivot here. Yeah. Speaking of character moments... Yeah. We do get a nice beat, I think, with Fred and Gunn, where Mm. they are Mm -hmm. talking about, you know... Gunn is being a little bit whiny and annoying, right? Yeah. But there is this confrontation of, like, the root of their problems, which they never really talked about. Like, Gunn, you know, accused Fred of having an affair with Wesley or whatever uh-huh. and like tried to pin the whole breakup on this idea that he can't trust Fred because of like Wesley. Sure. Right. But ultimately is admitting here, like his main problem with her is that they killed a man and right. Fred didn't really seem to be all that bothered by it. Yeah. 
It's a good point. And I think they even for once maybe executed that scene well, because I definitely thought when he was going to just accuse her of falling out of love with him, essentially. And then when he was like, oh, this time we killed a guy. And I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. But Um, it's just like an example of like maybe they're learning a little bit here of like, look mm -hmm. what happens when you talk. It's true. God, if anyone would just have a conversation about their feelings once a year, then almost none of this show would happen. (laughs) Seriously. I did also come around on that creepy spider demon. I thought he was great. I thought he was good. I also thought it was funny that he was like trying to like do this blood magic on a vampire and the vampire was was like, like, can you you please just kill me? (laughs) (laughs) No, I really liked him. I liked this, you know, weird way of speaking and his weird everything. I don't know. I don't know that I buy this whole explanation that they're trying to give us. I, I genuinely don't remember enough about that other world and Jasmine to know, like, I think my, I don't think I'm remembering anything, but I, you know, Jasmine has purported to be an ex power that was, but we still haven't really seen any proof of anything. And so now that this is other demon coming in and saying, Oh, she's from my world. I have a lot of, you know, I'm, I'm becoming very suspicious about like, well, we don't know that she's telling the truth about anything. So I'm interested we to can see. Probably assume she's not. Well, fair enough. But I guess I think now it's like more out in the open, like the suspicion that like, she's not even who she says she is. Um, I'm not sure if it's going to make sense or not when it's finally all revealed, but I did like that character, at least the, the zealot I see he's called, but. Oh, is that what he was called? Yeah. I do like this idea that he traveled to go find her. Like mm-hmm. it, it kind of really does convey the power that she has over not just people, but all creatures of, you know, like when he's like, we loved her first. Yeah. You know, she's ours. And then he's coming to try to reclaim her. I mean, that, that was like a very powerful um, example. I think of like the links that, her followers are going to go to. Mm-hmm. I know like I, humans are probably going to like cross world barriers, but yeah, you know that she is older and known and that they're, you know, and I mean, let's not forget like all these mm. references that exist that were re erased from this world. Like, you know, they are going right. to find knowledge out there that can help them, right. um, whether it's her name or, or something. Yeah. And actually, um, what I do also think, just kind of going back to this idea that she's a little bit Rumpelstiltskin in this episode, what I think actually also uh, is working in its favor is the way that, that this zealot creature the whole time is horrified at how Wesley is so free with that information, you know, about himself and about his friends. I think that actually also helped kind of make it less of a, like, silly trope and more of a, like, don't you see this is a more ancient world where these older power still older things still have power kind of these older ways of doing things these older traditions still mean something i don't know i just kind of like that he was like horrified every time wesley was like yeah I'm yeah so, so. like, like yeah, knowledge has it. power and a name has power and, mm-hmm. and that's a very old idea you know that mm-hmm. you encounter a lot in um like fantasy or like yeah. even old myths and legends is this the power of knowledge mm-hmm. of like a name and calling yeah. something by its true self. And and I, like like I said, I'm not mad that that's the direction right, right, this right. is going. It's just funny where you're like, okay, you boil this down, you're <laughs> like, yes, oh, Rumpelstiltskin. Yeah. Um So that said, I um I was on a meta level. Mhm. I was a little taken by the harshness of the well Cordelia will just leave Cordelia behind. Yeah. Um I know. Cordelia I know. doesn't matter anymore and I I know yeah. it was for 
the sake of the story and, you know, they can't carry Charisma Carpenter around the tunnels. Yes. Um, and Jasmine also is recognizing, like, Cordelia's presence is a liability Danger. and yeah. sends her to somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's officially gone now. Like, I don't mm-hmm. think we see her. Yeah. Again this season. I, I might be misremembering. But just, like, the meta harshness of, like... No, nope, I agree. Let's just forget. <laughs> and I think they try to soften the blow by having Angel say the same thing about Connor. Like he's also like, well, we're leaving him. You know, that's it. But I agree that it hurt. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it's worse and, for them you know, to And they're making have... Angel say it as like, feelings don't matter. Like, this is it. And obviously that's not true. But yeah. I, I'm just, I'm still really angry. Like, how we got here, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. And I can't decide, actually, if it's better that they at least mention it before they shuttle her off screen or if they, you know, should they have just ignored it and left her in the background for the rest of the episodes? I'm not sure. I think it would have all been bad, so. I don't know. I do appreciate at least, though, that, like, Angel makes the case that, like, oh, we just have to not care and not feel anything anymore, but I do think that it's clear that, you know, no one else agrees with him. (laughs) He's wrong when he says that. Or that I don't even think he agrees with himself. Right, right, fair. Uh, the other meta moment, though, that I did not like is, <laughs> and, like, sometimes this stuff works, but I think this is where it's, like, I don't know why Angel can't nail it when Buffy could pull off a scene like this, but right before the last battle scene, and when Gunn just announced, oh, time for the big fight scene, and I was like, no, <laughs> I'm not enjoying it. <laughs> like, in another context, or with better setup, I think that kind of line would work fine. I, that was, it was really, it really took me out of it for a second, though. I was like, holy moly, don't try and do that. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it landed Mm-mm. as quite Maybe the it's just because like it was supposed to be. Yeah, it might have just been gun, but I don't know. Also, I mean, this, I, I want to mention, too, and I, I was struggling a little bit watching this in the morning, but this <laughs> whole episode took place basically in the sewers. I couldn't see a thing. No, you never can. I never can in this show. Yeah. I have to close all my blinds and, like, or watch it at night, turn off all the lights. Um, um, yeah. But now Angel is sitting on a rocky ledge in a hell dimension, mm-hmm. looking at a bunch of those spider creatures. Mm-hmm. So we're almost there. We're we'll see. Two episodes left in this yeah. season. I can't believe it. Like, we're... I know. <laughs> oh, we've come so far. <laughs> That's so weird. I'm going to be really sad when, you know... We, we, we burned through these last two episodes of Buffy and all we've got left to comfort us is Angel. <laughs> well, at least though, I think I'm hopeful for season five. I'm because of the way liking season five. And I feel lot. like they basically are going to poach the best people from Buffy and put them in Angel and then like re-spin the whole thing. I'm, I'm very curious how I react to it. Me too, because this is what I'll say. I remember really liking season five of Angel, but mm-hmm. up until this go round, I also remembered liking Angel the show. Right. So <laughs> right, 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 I right, have right. learned the error of my ways. So I, you know, cautiously optimistic. Yeah. Okay. Well, at least it will go quickly. <laughs> that's true. Very true. All right. Well, next time we have end of days. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of the end and peace out. What is Peace, peace out. Mm-hmm. What did you think of the titles on this this one? Uh, fine. Yeah. Fine. Do what you got to do. Touched a little Touched on the nose, Touched was quite actually. literal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> do you have any pop culture recommendations for us? I do. Um, okay. 
less of a recommendation because I think I've brought this up before. So more of just a little reflection. Um, they released the final episodes of BoJack Horseman recently over the last week or so. We watched them all um, Friday night. And it's just, you know, BoJack is like one of my all time favorite shows. I really, really love it. And I, it is like sitting with me in a way that I am a little, uh, was a little unprepared for. I'm like, it kind of sucks because they, um, Netflix canceled the show. And at first I think they were kind of spinning it like, oh, this creator has like gotten to the end of his story. And so that this is the last season, but then it came out that he was like, no, I was not done. <laughs> and at first I was like, well, you know, six seasons is a lot. And like kind of the way that the story goes is it's like Bojack just has these huge Bojack. The character has these huge ups and downs. Like he makes a lot of progress and he, you know, goes back and then he makes progress and he goes back. So it's like, I, I also was getting a little bit like, I'm ready for this show to be done. But I have to say that this the, they did the whole thing where they released season six in two parts. So the first part came out like at the end of last year and then this one just came out. <clears throat> and there were definitely part holes where I was like, oh, I wish that character had gotten their standalone episode. And I wish this plot line had gotten to play out a little longer because it would have been more effective. So I'm like a little sad about that. Um, but overall, I was very pleased with it. <laughs> It is like a really heavy, heavy show, but it is also the show that has some of my all-time favorite jokes in it. Oh my God, there was a joke in the, one of the last episodes where uh, one of the characters lives in Chicago and she hates it because it's cold all the time. And she said, was talking about how, oh, and the, the, everybody's acting like it's spring, but it's 49 degrees out. And then she made a joke about how that's only the non-lache half of 98 degrees. And I was like, well, yes, that's a great way to frame it, Diane. And I'm going to say that all the time. Like it takes you a beat to like catch what the joke is. So I was like, oh my God, that was great. In addition to all kinds of other great jokes that they've just had scattered in the background for a full six seasons. It's like 30 rock level of like a joke a minute in every single frame. And then also the darkest drama that I've ever watched. So I really liked it, but it is definitely very dark and very emotional. Like it's I not feel like, like I want to watch it one day. I just. Right. Yeah. That's what I was going to say, though. It's like it's not like feel good TV. <laughs> it may be like maybe the first couple episodes are like mostly jokes and then it gets heavier. So it's like you can maybe watch a couple and be kind of OK with it. But like. Yeah, it was a lot. And it's a lot like it's very has these just very real world issues that they're grappling with because Bojack is like, a, you know, he's a famous actor in L.A. who like has all these scandals and like you have to watch him like live with them all and like deal with it. And it is like also it just is very real world. It's like, yeah, I have all these complicated feelings about a number of artists and actors and actresses and musicians and stuff. So it's like it's also hard on that level. Anyway, I also didn't know that. Um, Will Arnett was the voice of Bojack. Oh, really? Yeah, no. This whole time, I had no idea. I just, like, read that the other day, and I was like, huh. (laughs) Yeah. All the voice actors are good. And they get a lot of celebrity cameos that are very fun. In fact, they kill Zach Braff in an episode, and then he came back as a dead character in this season. That was also very fruitful. In what was a very, very heavy episode, it was like, also, Zach Braff's here. I was like, that was a good callback. (laughs) Oh, boy. Anyway, so that's my recommendation. Also, I have the BoJack Horseman calendar for 2020, and it's hilarious, and I'm very pleased with it. 
it's mostly just jokes from the show, but like some of the, like today is Groundhog Day, but it's Groundhog Person's Day because in the Bojack world, there's all, all the like animals are anthropomorphic. So do they put the, um, the end date on the calendar? Like the end of the show? Yeah. Like air date or something. Oh no, no. Cause they didn't know those dates when the calendar was being made. No, no, no. They're like in world holidays. I see. Anyway, okay. Your turn. Uh, I don't really have anything, although you reminded me that The Good Place also ended. And I know. I, I haven't watch watched those episodes. I haven't watched um, any of this season yet. I think kind of in the same way where it was like, I wasn't ready for it. I was like, I think I need a minute. And I still haven't gotten to the place where I'm like ready to sit down and both say goodbye you know, to it, I, but also like go through yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm like, I'm probably going to watch the finale like sooner rather than later. But, mm-hmm. you know, and I, and I totally like... I'm fine with it ending this, yes. you know, after four seasons. I think that's the correct decision. They have limits, um, yeah. But yeah, I'm not ready. I'm like, what is my, what is my TV going to be? Like, it has really mm-hmm. dwindled. I have not replaced shows as they've ended yeah. quite intentionally because I think a lot of the quality of what's out there just isn't what it always was. And also, I just can't commit and get attached. Like, it just, you know. yeah. It just doesn't seem like a good idea. Yeah. Um, and it frees up more time for other things, I guess. Mm. <laughs> um, like rewatching Firefly. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I guess I would say watch Firefly if you've never watched it. I, you know, I was, um, I was like, okay, I'll watch the the season and then I'll I'll watch Serenity. And I I'm like, I have one episode left in the in the TV season, and I was really struck by, you know, especially after going through these Buffy and Angel episodes. This idea that we've had with these shows where, you know, the first seasons are always kind of a ramp up to mm-hmm. the quality, like the the potential is there, but you're not, they're not really executing on it right away. Firefly is not like that. I feel like it just started on all cylinders and yeah. only has one or two kind of, um, I wouldn't even call them duds, but kind of lesser episodes. And mm-hmm. just from from the beginning, everything was like, with the cast was gelling, with the stories, with, and I was like, it's such a shame that this is the show that never got more. And, right. and, and it's like, we talk about this with Freaks and Geeks too, right? Like there is a value, I think, in having this like contained kind of little world of mm-hmm. almost perfection right. where if it had gone longer, maybe you wouldn't have that. But I, but it's you a know, shame. and it, there is a movie they did get to kind of wrap it up, but the, you know, the movie isn't as good and uh, it's, it, it's good. It's not, but it's it. It tends to have to focus on maybe directions that the story wouldn't have otherwise gone. Well, at see, that point. I actually like, really love that movie. Not as I agree that it's not, but it it's missing some it's things. Missing, like you don't have the depth that you could have if you did it on TV, right? Sure. But what I love about that movie is all the other shows that have tried to basically do that, like, and now we'll do a movie and now we'll do a movie. And like, that's actually one of the only ones that I think really functionally works as both a conclusion to the TV show. If you watched all of it and an introduction to the series, if you've never seen any of it, like it's, it's a really well done version of that. Like it's not the best movie because it can't be because there's no way it can tell all the stories that it needs to because it wasn't meant to be a movie, a two hour movie. But given those constraints, I actually think it's a perfectly executed movie. It's I mean, yeah, it's good. And I mean, there are some decisions that I think were made because it's the end and, you know, for sure. um, 
I think I know you're not going to get another about. a shot at this. But I, you know, I but but I'm saying like watching the show, I was really struck by this sense of it's such a shame because yeah, there really was so much they could have done with this. I mean, talk about world building, dialogue, ways of speaking. It's very specific, and mm-hmm. maybe that's why it was hard to catch on. Yeah, but it. You know, it's like I was thinking about it because I also just recently watched The Mandalorian and... Ooh, we just started that. This idea of, like, a space western. Yeah. I mean, it works so well. And I guess I'm just saying it's really good. And, like, if we were to, you know, one day come back and do, like, a little mini recap series on Firefly, mm-hmm. I would not be mad about it because <laughs> I've got a lot to say, obviously. But, um, yeah, watching it and then going and watching Mal and Zoe on these shows was a bit... A bit jarring, yeah. <laughs> um, you know. So, um, but I recommend it if, if for for any reason you haven't explored Firefly mm-hmm. as part of the Just Whedon universe, it is probably the second best to Buffy. Mm-hmm. I would say for sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's only competing with Angel and Dollhouse, so the bar is low. But um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Um, Okay, right. well, we'll be back with almost the end, the, penulti- the penultimate episode mm-hmm. of Buffy. I suppose we didn't even mention this was the anti-penultimate episode. We didn't, and Buffy. we should have, because those are great words. Word. I love penultimate as a word. It's one yes. of my favorites. And when I discovered anti-penultimate, I was like, oh, there's another one. This is great. <laughs> Pre-pre-end. Yeah. Stupid. Words um, are stupid. So we'll be back with the penultimate episode (laughs) and i'm sure we'll have a lot to say about that going into the finale yes yep but um oh what team are you on hmm i think i'm on team spike that's what i was gonna say i'm team spike and and for no other reason than for him handing it to giles but also him handing it to giles but also also everything buffy was lovely it was beautiful Hmm. so all right i'll talk to you next week all right bye once More with Commentary is produced by me, Allie. And me, Ginny. Our theme music is from the album Rockingham by Nerf Herder. And our podcast logo is by Ryan Cooney. You can email us at scoobies at oncemorewithcommentary.com with any feedback, questions, comments that you have, and find us on Twitter and Instagram at OMWC Podcast. You can also find our most recent episodes and any show notes at oncemorewithcommentary.com.